Hello, I am Katerina Sliva. I am a partner at Dentons in the Real Estate Group. I am also the head of our Land Use Planning, Municipal and Development Law Group. I help our developer and landowner clients secure zoning and other development approvals for their projects. I am the lead of our Canada Smart Cities Think Tank. I am also your host for the Smart Cities Chat Podcast Series, brought to you by Dentons. This podcast series covers a broad range of topics within the Smart Cities space. Everything from drones, communication, 5G, privacy and related issues, P3s, transportation and smart mobility, sustainable, smart communities, and much, much more. You can find our episodes at www.dentons.com on our podcast page. There you can access our episodes as well as an episode description for each topic and information on our speakers. And now over to our podcast. Hi, joining me today is Terry Olnick, President and Managing Director for Canada Multiplex. Terry is responsible for executing business decisions that ensure long-term value, realize innovative solutions for construction partners, and drive precision as the company continues its expansion in Canada. With more than 25 years in the Toronto construction industry, Terry has expert knowledge of the local market and longstanding and collaborative relationships within the industry. He has an entrepreneurial passion for developing people and product and drives the continued evolution of construction approaches and practices to create positive impacts. Terry is lead accredited and is on the board of directors for the Canada Green Building Council Toronto chapter. He is also co-chair with yours truly of the Urban Land Institute Toronto Membership Committee. Welcome Terry and thank you for joining us. Thank you Kat. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on, on this, uh, this podcast with you and, and uh, excited to share uh, what I know on, on PropTech. Multiplex is, uh, is a fascinating company started uh, almost 60 years ago in Australia and has made their way around the globe with operations in India uh, Middle East, uh, the UK, and Canada being uh, sort of 10 years in operation now. Uh, we work with uh, some pretty ex exciting partners in the space, and it's our job to make sure that they understand uh, the future of building and construction and the opportunity that goes with it. We're really focusing on being what I call a model-first construction company. We model every single project initially uh, to help understand uh, embodied carbon, uh, material selection, overall performance and constructability, and de-risk the project. And uh, with the clients that uh, have had this experience thus far, really starting to understand the value that uh, this type of technology can bring to construction. Terry, what does digital twinning mean? What is a digital twin? A digital twin will, have, will, will identify all of the elements um, in a building. And be it static or active assets, you really want to be able to understand um, with, with totality and accuracy um, where, where those assets are at and what's the status of them. So have they been properly maintained? Um, what is the maintenance schedule? When, when is a life cycle of that, that unit need to be replaced? That's sort of the... That's the standard fare now. A lot of a lot of building managers are, have gone digital, trying to understand what that looks like within a building. But the next level of digital twin is 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 the optimization opportunity within the building, and being able to uh, understand the 
active assets in your building. So the mechanical, uh, the elevators, the parking, um, people movement. That's, that's where now the digital twin really starts to uh, learn and gain data on the performance of the building. And uh, eventually when you've gained enough data, you can start to use um, analytics to predict not only the performance of the building, uh, but the optimization of elevators, where they need to be, um, parking, uh, anticipating loads for electric car charging, those types of things uh, are really gonna become useful. And if you're a, a developer with now multiple buildings and you start to aggregate this data uh, on a common platform, you can really start to understand the power of a digital twin. And what, what we're seeing right now in, in construction is uh, a lot of developers are meeting what we call uh, minimum requirements for uh, energy performance of the building, uh, electric car charging requirements, um, elevators, uh, standard speeds, um, and just the overall uh, incoming power into the building. Uh, they're, not, they're not setting the building up with the infrastructure required, uh, for example, to, to allow 90% uh, of the parking spots to have electric car charging. And so you could imagine in five years from now, mm -hmm. when everyone's driving an electric car, uh, people will be outraged that they can't charge their car in the basement of their own building. So what we're trying to do is, is help uh, developers understand you know, what is the future of um, a smart city and a smart building? And are you actually prepared to deal with uh, that future now? Terry, in the Globe and Mail article entitled uh, Turning Hours into Minutes on a Construction Site, you speak of uh, the lifeline of a building. What does that mean? What is the lifeline of a building? You know, it, it's interesting how important data uh, and connectivity integrity has become. So, uh, you know, you could, you could have a building where uh, the lights go out, people will stay. The air conditioning goes off, people will stay. But you lose that Wi-Fi or that data connectivity in your building and people will go bananas. So really you need to understand what is the resiliency of the data connection in your building and what's your resiliency of your building overall as it relates to uh, weather events. We're starting to see 100 year weather events occur every summer. And that's creating issues with lightning, with flooding, and it's, and it's knocking out systems. And, and uh, especially now with material electronics so hard to procure, uh, you could find, we could find ourselves even this summer in situations where uh, systems can go down. It could take weeks to bring them back up because of the material availability. So I'd say starting with, with uh, foundational principles of a building, what, what is the resiliency of the data network going into your building? So there's something out there called Wired Score, which helps uh, give a rating on, on the integrity of the data system feeding the building. And I think a lot of developers should understand the power of uh, a Wired Score rating for their, for their building so that they can give their tenants and, uh, and, and future owners confidence that the building is, has a level of resiliency to maintain uh, that also critical data connection. So 
as as we move forward into the future, you know, there's going to be a high demand for data connectivity um, and uh, electrical power. So, mm-hmm. what is what is the strategy for when uh, power does go down and it is going to go down for your building? Do you have 100% emergency backup power? So, oversize um, the you know. Traditionally, a, a generator in a building will only deal with 20% of the loads, which are, you know, life safety. But as, as we're relying on more connected world, we're going to need these systems to have an uptime requirement. So now, mm-hmm. are you going to make your building 100% backup power? Or are you going to connect it to a large battery bank? Or are you going to rely on all the electric cars in the basement to provide you with backup power? as the building goes down. And right now, that technology exists. That technology exists in the chargers and how they flow power to the car or out of the car, mm-hmm. right? But That's fascinating. It is fascinating. And then all it takes is, is for developers to realize that's out there and have, have a digital strategy for their building. Um, there's so many things that are going through my head coming at this from the um, land development law side of things and working with developers when they're seeking to get, uh, you know, the zoning bylaw amendment in place or um, working through their site plan or whatnot. Um, and, and maybe even steps removed from that when we're still working on the official plan amendment and that high level policy. Um, obviously, the, the, the flooding concerns come into play for both municipalities and developers. Um, there are challenges associated with the approvals process. Um, there's a lot of red tape. We've talk, talked about that my entire career about the you know policy um, constraints and, and red tape on different levels, whether it's the provincial or municipal levels. Um, and and I'm, I'm starting to wonder at, in hearing you speak, you know, some of this starts out early. There are all of these tech ideas and solutions, and how do we sort of make sure that those things are known to everyone involved and that what we should be thinking about in, in terms of whether it's the 50 year storm challenge and flooding or, or that creating um, energy um, interruption in service, how do we sort of think about this on all levels and see the solutions without seeing the red, getting through, through the red tape? Um, I'm, I get very kind of excited and passionate about it because I know how frustrating it is for developers to get through that approval process. And when I hear something like, you know, those uh, electric cars parked in the basement could be a solution in part to what we're doing. It's just, it's a brilliant approach, uh, but are we dealing with it? Are we talking about it enough? Are we able to harness all of these ideas? And, and you know, what, what are you seeing on your side, on the construction side in this? I, I think just out of the, cost nature of, of development and the risk that they're at, they're always going to meet the minimum requirements. So how do you incentivize developers to take it to that next level? You know, I would look to urban planners to come up with a strategy to incentivize the developers um, to, to take it to that next level. Uh, mm-hmm. As an example, if, if, if I'm a developer um, and I promise to put 100% electric car charging in the basement, maybe that that gives me an accelerated uh, planning approval process. And, and now all of a sudden, uh, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for developers to accelerate their timelines through that, that daunting process of approvals with mm-hmm. some creativity. 
and it's more of a carrot. And but, absolutely, but the ultimate the ultimate uh, win is is the community that benefits from uh, that asset being future future ready. And it only takes a couple of developers out there right now uh, to really promote uh, a future thinking now mm -hmm. rather than trying to react uh, in five years from now and retrofit the building to get it up to current standard. Absolutely. Terry, can you tell us uh, what experiences you see in the prop tech uh, sphere in the work that you do? I could give very, uh, very clear examples of um, what a develop, what we see often with the initiation of um, a development going from a, a greenfield into construction and um, some of the things that developers simply aren't considering in a building that they should be now to, so that when we are advancing as a society into uh, a smart city, their building is one of those assets that can contribute. Is yeah. the example of the developers that, that aren't choosing to do the right, you know, um, to be future ready with their assets because they're not being forced to do it, right? They're, they're trying to control costs, which is totally understandable, but a few steps um, in the right direction can really make a difference in the future of these buildings. Absolutely. And, and as you know, I work with um, some developers that are trying to approach it the right way. And in those greenfield projects are attempting to build future ready smart cities and, and needing some flexibility in the planning process in order to get there. And I, I appreciate it's a leap of faith for a lot of those involved, including municipalities or maybe the provincial government and, and working through the, those details. Um, but, but some of that leap of faith and, and sort of the bravery and, and moving forward and taking on the challenges is certainly something that is required. Um, you know, I have a, a few clients that are working on larger um, undeveloped swaths of land and thinking about, you know, why do we build roads that are X meters wide? Um, well, we do it because we have to accommodate garbage trucks and fire trucks. But why are we building communities based on the size of a garbage truck? when there may be opportunity and technology that allows us to do it differently. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, we're planning for autonomous vehicles at the same time. So it's this never ending kind of um, maybe chicken in the egg kind of conundrum where if we don't break out of the existing mold and take those steps and um, do things differently, we're never going to get to do things differently and we won't be ready for whatever is, is ahead of us. Where, where in the world have you know, these bold decisions been made and what is, what is the technology that has allowed them to do it? Right. And if, uh, if, if they're going to be forced to maintain a certain road width or a certain standard because of tr years of traditional thinking, um, it, it'd be good to understand globally what technologies are available and, and test pilots certain, certain areas to allow, uh, this this community to actually to, to take that next leap. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I think um, a couple of municipalities or places in the world that we're aware of that have done it differently, um, and they are subject matters of upcoming podcasts. Are, are you know our um, counterparts in some of our Asian municipalities, um, and Barcelona has been sort of raised as an example of where it's been done well. 
So Terry, I wondered if just shifting gears um, regarding prop tech and sort of the general um, question maybe for uh, opening part of the conversation, uh, what, what does prop tech mean? Uh, what is sort of in your um, experience existing and, and what is new or upcoming in the space? Um, are you comfortable chatting about that a little bit? Sure. So um, I would say w one of the industries that has, has really lagged in, uh, in the adoption of, of modern technology uh, is construction, is, is development and construction. Um, it's uh, uh, the way we're building today is is off is very much the way we're building 100 years ago. It, a lot of it hasn't really changed. Um, the approach is starting to change, and technology now is starting to uh, really make a difference in that space. So, uh, contact construction technology or property technology, um, I think you're starting to see a lot of the traditional thinking disappear and a thirst for understanding what's out there that can make my building uh, different or the experience for my people different. And COVID certainly ex accelerated that. So um, how, how the building interacts uh, with, the, with, with the person or how people get their communication about uh, the building has, has certainly advanced leaps and bounds. And I, I, I go back to, um, developers or people in the development space or the construction space and asking them the very basic question, what does your operation look like five years from now? Or what will your development look like five years from now? Or what did you miss in the building that you just built that you wish you had put into the building? And, you know, when I ask a very simple question to a lot of people in this space, be it architects, engineers, or developers, this question, what is your digital strategy? I get a blank stare. Mm -hmm. I get a blank stare. And I don't think a lot of people have taken the time to uh, understand just how rapidly the world is evolving with technology, especially as it relates to property and construction. Uh, two game changers for us in this space will be uh, IoT, Internet of Things, and 5G. Mm -hmm. So um the the network in which uh, all of this will communicate is going to be very different it's going to be more localized uh receptors and antennas than the big towers you're used to seeing cell zones if you will mm -hmm. which will allow us to process information a lot quicker um and then what we do with the data the security of the data and and then what will the data tell us so um having having an iot strategy um, with, with your building, with 5G, all lends itself to what is called a digital twin. Mm -hmm. And uh, if, 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 every, if, if anyone listening to this podcast, uh, if they take away anything and they're going to be uh, embarking on a, a construction journey, I highly recommend they look into uh, what a digital twin is and what it can mean for their building and how they can deploy it. Because if you take... If you take the concept from moment zero that you want a digital twin in your building, that's gonna change how the building is designed. It's gonna change how the construction behaves, the data they collect during the construction, how they integrate um, the, 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 the networks in the building and how they turn the building over to you 
as a physical asset and as a digital asset. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about, um, you spoke about the collection of data and the collection of data, as you can imagine, has been a big point of discussion and something that is constantly reviewed and analyzed and discussed in the smart cities space. And connected to that is the privacy aspect, right? We, I, I spoke to you about earlier, both um, our partners that work in the data, uh, data collection and privacy spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I wondered if on the ground in the work you do, uh, you see those tensions and you know what it is that you're, you're seeing in, in your work on the challenges in data collection. It's really important to understand that if you're gonna embark on the journey of data collection, you understand where the data is, how it's being stored, uh, how it's being organized, the security of the data. So uh, is it resident in the US? Is it resident in Canada? What cloud is it? What cloud is it in? And then that's one part of it. The next part is with the, with the tools you're u- using to gain your data, are you opening yourself up to uh, cyber attack and risk? So IoT has become a very, very popular uh, term. You know, uh, a lot of a lot of devices that people are buying now, uh, fridges, stoves, you name it, are all becoming IoT ready. You mm-hmm. can connect them to your network and gain data. You just want to make sure that there is a a protection so that. Nobody can gain access to your, your systems through an IoT device. That's sort of number one. Number two, you know, the, 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 big, the big houses like the Microsofts, if you will, they're a great resource to understand data integrity um, and, and, and how you can develop an IoT platform or a digital twin platform and the security levels they invo- that, that they bring to the table. All the big houses will do that for you. You just need to, to know who to ask within mm-hmm. these organizations. But a lot of, a lot of these, uh, anybody who's hosting any sort of cloud service will have uh, an IoT group that can help you understand what a digital twin looks like and how you can embark on that journey. Uh, Terry, I thought that we would cover impediments, opportunities, and trends. So if I can ask you to turn your mind to that, what are the impediments to PropTech as you see them today? Uh, what are future opportunities and what are the trends that you're seeing? Uh, impediments, um, I would say right now is uh, connectivity. I don't think people have a, uh, a proper understanding of connectivity, uh, what the future connectivity looks like. Uh, 5G, um, for example, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of technology out there that will turn your building into a, basically a 5G antenna. Um, and have so many other performance benefits. I, I think people are still buying uh, material in a, or, or uh, procuring a building, if you will, in a very traditional manner. And they're not, they're not, they don't have a future forward strategy. So that's, that's the impediment. Um, the, the next one is trends. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of emphasis on understanding sustainability, resiliency, and carbon impact of not only the performance of the building, but the embodied carbon. So what did it take to extract the material, process the material, bring it to the site? You know, mm-hmm. can you build a building in steel or a combination of steel and wood rather than all concrete? Mm-hmm. Uh, future trends, uh, we're starting to see some amazing technologies out there right now. 
Um, the one I'd, I'd sort of highlight is called View Dynamic Glass. Uh, it, it will reduce the solar gain in your space by 15 degrees by uh, applying uh, UV resistant um, application on the glass you won't even see. You don't need to pull down the blinds, so it helps the wellness. It helps the productivity of the people in the building. Um, and then in the future, uh, the glass can also become a screen. So instead of needing a you can watch, you can have a video conference with the pane of glass on your wall. Wow, so, wonderful. And it also, it also has embedded IoT technology where it measures um, the air quality in the space, the amount of people in the space, how often the space is getting used. So that's an IoT application built into the mullions of the, of, of the, of the, the glass um, and the aluminum. And then the entire facade acts like a 5G antenna. And that's Fascinating. available right now. That makes me think of very futuristic, you know, very TV shows. Is, is this something that Multiplex is implementing in some of its uh, construction today or? Yeah, we're looking at it very closely. And it's a, it's a matter of generating awareness to clients that Fantastic. You know, opportunities are here and now. Don't miss it. Terry, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate you spending this time with us on our podcast. Thanks and look forward to future discussions. Dentons is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice, and you should not take and refrain from taking action based on its contents. Please see dentons.com for legal notices. Speakers from this podcast episode and any other professional in our group will be pleased to speak with you on today's topic or any other topic related to smart cities. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes in our Smart Cities Chat podcast series.